Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. You're tuned into Querying the Air on 3CR Community Radio. And that's what seems to become like our opening song all the time heterosexuality that's no good for me which is it's quite a f- bit of a silly song really and i'm joined in a studio today with zen at the moment and we'll, you'll be joined later with shane but hi zen how are you hi i'm good thanks thank you for having me on iris no worries <laughs> um so first i'd like to acknowledge that we're broadcasting from the stolen land of the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples um, indigenous sovereignty was never ceded and settler colonialism is ongoing. And I'd like to acknowledge, as a white person, I benefit from settler colonialism and white supremacy. And I'd like to pay respect to Indigenous elders and acknowledge any um, Indigenous listeners, queer and trans Indigenous people, sister boys, um, sister girls and brother boys. I shouldn't get that wrong again. And, and all sorts of other people that don't fit into these categories. Um... But yeah, so about today's show, we're here with Sam to talk about a new club night called Buffalo Girls, and later on in the show, we're going to talk about ageing and queerness with Shane from Housing from the Age Action Group. Um, so it's quite going to be quite an interesting show today, and I hope it makes for great listening. Um, but first, so Zen, tell yeah. me about tell me about this new cutie pop which is for our listeners who don't might need that acronym explained is queer and trans. And I suppose the I is Inter- usually intersex, but I suppose, yeah, it's also, I suppose it'll be indigenous as well as, um, people of color, yeah. um, sort of run night. Yeah. So, yeah. So tell me about how this has come into fruition. Um, yeah, I'm happy to share that. So um, this night started from one of the main organizers, which is Liv Crawford. Liv works with um, the Night Cat and also Hugs and Kisses. And she manages this Facebook group called Cutie Pop Cutie Pies. And it's a space where all queer trans people of color can, and also gender non-conforming people could come in and share their stories and also find community basis and through that also because of our love of hip-hop music and r&b music um taylor ashley groff and myself approached Liv to be part of her night and help her organize this event so with buffalo gals we'll be launching next thursday and it's mainly a night about celebrating hip-hop r&b club music and also about celebrating sensuality, gender diversity, openness, vulnerability. And we hope through this night we are able to uplift and support the incredible queer, femme, gender non-conforming, and people of color talent that exist in Melbourne. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for that. And also, I've heard you used to volunteer on 4 Z in... In Brisbane. Yeah, in Brisbane. It's And you're um, now in Melbourne, Cool Nations Land. Yeah. What brings you here? Well, I used to work in radio and I loved music so much. And I decided to move down to Melbourne because I've been living in Brisbane for almost five years. 
and I've been drawn towards the electronic music scene here mm. and been really lucky to meet girls like Liv and Taylor and collaborate in creating this event. Yeah. Cool. So the so the first of, I mean I've I've been to one of these nights. So oh, but like terrific. The, the, the official opening night um for anyone any listeners interested is next Thursday at yep. at ten PM, right? Yeah, it's um next Thursday. We're kicking off at ten PM at Hugs and Kisses. And with our launch we've got Infinity Blade DJing and also DJ Nature Girl and Mama Diza. Oh cool. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it. And good night. Yeah. We're excited to have people come in and dance and also feel welcome in the space. Yeah. It sucks that Hugs and Kisses is not um, wheelchair accessible. Yeah. But I like to point out that we'd be happy to refer to um, refer anyone in the audience to different club nights that have that opportunity for them to access. We also have um, our bar manager, who's actually an Auslan translator. So if anyone needs any help with that we're happy to accommodate them on the night okay cool yeah um yeah so i suppose like the event is is serving a gap in melbourne queer circles i guess could you tell us more about the problems with a lot of queer events in melbourne well i've only been here for four months but i've noticed that at certain events there are certain spaces where there are POC performers performing on stage, but the POC attendees do not seem to be able to fit into those spaces. They're always pushed behind on programs, and that's mm-hmm. one of the complaints that we've heard from many others. And that's the main reason why we wanted to have this night, so that all POC people can come over, or gender non-conforming femme artists, anyone in the community, to come in and feel cool. that they're welcome. Excellent. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to um, go to a track in a sec. Yeah. Um, but I thought I'd bring up that where Queenia next week is having a Radiothon show and 3CR was built with everyone's donations and we really need your support. And you can log on to 3cr.org.au and look up the donation spot or call 3CR um, on 94198377. Yeah. And we're going to be having our Radiothon show next week from 3 to 4 p.m. Um, so, yeah. So please donate. Yeah, and- please support your local community radio station. It's really important because these help foster the communities that are around in Melbourne especially. Yes, thanks. <laughs> so we're just going to play Two Steps in the Water, Yo-Yo, and we'll be back to talk to Shane. Um, and thanks, Sam, for talking today. Thank you for having me on, Iris. No worries. <laughs> and that was Two Steps on the Water with Yo-Yo. And I'm Iris, and I'm joined in the studio here with... Shane from Housing from for the Age Action Group. Um, and the previous interview was um, with Sen, who was talking about Buffalo Girls. And that's on next Thursday night, 10 p.m. at Hugs and Kisses, if you're interested. Um, but now we're going to be talking on a different subject. We're going to be 
first talking about the relationship between aging and queerness. And yeah, do you want to start us off, Shane? Yeah, okay. Um, on some things you've experienced working in that sector and from your personal experience? Yeah, okay. So, yeah, like you say, I work at a place called Housing for the Aged Action Group. Uh, I also am a 38-year-old queer person. So, I, you know, in, in the scheme of things, 38 is not that old, but in the queer community in particular, which does tend to be quite youth-obsessed, um, it's, mm. it's easy to feel old and, yeah. you know... Certainly, by the time I was in my late 20s, I already felt quite old at a lot of queer events. And 10 years later, that certainly hasn't improved in any way. Um, and I think often, you know, often the queer community aspires to be kind of more inclusive, less exclusionary in a whole range of ways than the kind of mainstream gay community in particular. But I think in particular when it comes to age, it really, I mean, it doesn't even fail to be more inclusive of older people. It just doesn't try to be more inclusive of older people in any way. Um, it's not an issue that's on people's radar, I think it's fair to say. Um, and that's a lot because, you know, queer community by its nature is kind of a community of desire and it's about, it, it does sort of revolve around sexual relationships a lot of the time and who's attractive. Um, there's a, a lot of social capital tied up in who's attractive to whom. Um, and I think my perception is that over the last, I don't know, over many years, there's been a kind of push to, to redefine for the queer community who's attractive so that more and more people have the capacity to be included in, in that sense of social power that comes with that. Uh, and I, I don't... But there hasn't... I'm sorry, I'm so inarticulate on a Sunday afternoon. No, you're, uh, you're but, fine. But there has been... There's less of an attempt or, or less of a, a way to approach mm. disarticulating those things. So... What seems to me to be desirable is that it doesn't matter whether you're attractive or not, you, you can still access social power, you can still access social capital, you can still access community. But instead, there's a move mm. to continually expand and, and include more and more people within the capacity to be attractive, which still has those exclusions built into it. Um, that's just something I think about. I totally forgot the thread of where I was going with this. Um, so yes, queer community, just as youth obsessed as the, as any other community in society, um, mm. if not more so. Um, if not more so, yeah. yeah. Why is that? Why is this so? Well, um, I mean, partly it's because of the kind of, inst- I think, partly because it's the kind of institutions that are part of your life and that define your friendships, right? So mm. if you think of like, the kind of heterosexual mainstream, the institutions that de- that define your life really are work and family. And yep. those are things that tend to be intergenerational by definition. You know, I think about my workplace, I have co-workers in their early 20s, I have co-workers in their early 60s. Um, there's a whole spread. Um, whereas the queer community is defined much more by social events, right? Like mm. parties, clubs, yep. things like that. And those are things that are not age diverse. Like in their nature, they're not age diverse. Yeah. Um, so just the, the kind of institutions that, that a community organizes around or is aggregated around de- defines who's in and who's out of that community. Mm. Um, I mean, to some extent, that's true. But it also, I mean, we were talking about this last weekend that yeah. Melbourne in particular seems really bad, right? Melbourne. Like if you go to Sydney for a, a big queer party, that the it's noticeably more diverse in terms of ages as well as a, a whole range of other factors than, than a comparable mm. party in Melbourne. Yeah. So I don't know what that is about i don't know why 
Sydney does better than Melbourne. Um, but it, it's interesting. And it's, it's kind of striking. But, I mean, the other thing, getting away from, you know, the fact that I feel left out at club nights, which is neither yeah. here nor there, really. Um, when I started working at Housing for the Aged Action Group, I'd never really thought about aging or ageism. Uh, I didn't know the phrase elder abuse. Like, these weren't issues that were on my radar. And I think it's really important both for, for progressive people in general and for queers in particular to think about age as a form of of oppression and to develop an analysis around that. Um, so I think that's true in general, partly because it seems to me that ageism and ideologies around older people are a really effective sort of ideological tool that's that the government and the ruling class has been using aggressively and quite successfully. Um, so the idea that older people's entitlements are, are this burden on the young, you know, Joe mm. Hockey, when he was the yeah. treasurer, used to talk about intergenerational theft, that we had to cut benefits because, you know, all these old people were soaking up all this money and the, the mm. young people wouldn't, wouldn't get anything. Yeah. And because I work in housing, I think about this a lot in terms of housing. And one of the most ef- effective ideologies around housing that I think is really demobilizing um, is telling people that this idea that the baby boomers have all the houses, right? Baby boomers have all the houses. Mm. And it, yep. it's almost like old people and young people are specifically pitted against each other where, yep. the, it, you know, on the one hand, oh, you know, millennials, they can't buy houses because they're buying the smashed avocado. You know, that's that's how young people get the blame for housing affordability. And then older people get the blame because they supposedly own all the houses. Mm. When, And I think this, ha- this is so successful because there's a lack of critical discourse around age, you know, the not many people really think about age as a... Hang on. Let me phrase it a different way. I'm not saying this is analogous, but capital constantly is trying to divide workers, right? Like, this is, yeah. this is like... I don't know. This is like Marxism 101. This is what they yeah. tell you when you go to your first socialist alternative meeting or whatever, right? <laughs> the classic example is that the bosses say, um, migrants are taking your job. And... The, the basic, like, 101 level left response is to say, no, the, the bosses are taking your jobs. They're trying to divide you from your fellow workers along lines of race. It's harder for people to articulate a response to the baby boomers have all the houses, which is to say, no, the, the bosses are taking your houses. The ruling class is taking the housing. The government is failing its obligations to provide housing, and they're trying to divide you from your from your comrades along lines of age. Um. Mm. So, yeah, that's something that I think about quite a lot. Yeah, and if we think about capitalism and how much it structures things around separating people off according to age, if you think about institutions such as schools and work and how, like, how like work agreements are structured so the youngest people have the least power in some mm-hmm. agreements with less pay and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. And then we think about... Yeah, these expectations and roles in capitalism, and we also think of, and the things you're mentioning about the queer, queer community and the institutions that queer communities create, and how they are focused on youth, and how that serves to perpetuate this divide between younger and older people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, one thing that I think about quite a lot, and I, like I'm not an economist, so this might I might be like really off base yeah. with this, but this is how it seems to me, right? Like it is a fact 
that older people as a group are, have more money than younger people as a group. Like yeah. that's that's well established and pretty obvious. But I think that's where it seems to me that that works really differently than. And sorry, and that's getting worse. Wealth is being shifted more and more towards older people. That That's pretty well established mm. um, by statistics or whatever. But I think that's really different than if, to, you know, a, a dynamic that might seem analogous is that men as a group have more money than women and that, you know, in certain circumstances that, that gets worse. But I think it's really different with older people. When older people as a group, are, when wealth is shifted towards older people... W- I don't think that that enriches... This sounds dumb, but just bear with me. I don't think it enriches older people as a group. I think it reduces class mobility. Um, when men as a group get more money, they give more money to other men. Like, that's that's how patriarchy reproduces itself yeah. economically. When older people have more money, they give it to their children. They give it to their grandchildren. They don't share it amongst themselves as a group of older people. It, it's reproduced along fam- familial lines. So... You know, when we talk about housing affordability, one thing that comes up again and again is that young people can't afford to buy houses unless they're supported by their parents. Mm. Uh, as if this is a burden on young people as a group, but it's not. It's a burden on young people whose parents can't give them housing deposits. Yeah, um, it, It's really a, a class dynamic, which again and again gets turned into this sort of intergenerational conflict. Mm. Um, and I think it's important that we all learn how to, to distinguish those things and understand them better. Yeah, I suppose what I'm hearing in the things you said, like, is perhaps like an absence of thinking about things in terms of aging and class, and thinking about things in a way that leaves out these those factors and how that gives like a dis- distorted analysis, and it leads to these problems and people getting pitted against each other that kind of prevents solidarity or community that we actually really need yeah i think that's really true and again because there's a lack of that kind of critical analysis around aging it's easy to just think of it as something natural or something that just happens um maybe you know an analogy might be to you know the sort of pre-feminist era when or a pre-feminist era or an, an ideology that still exists that really you know gender differences are just biological um it's just natural you know men are like this women are like this um Whereas now we understand very quite well and we have fairly sophisticated tools to talk about the way that gender is made up of a combination of biological and social factors and there's lots of complex ways that those things interact. Um, I think it's useful to start to think about ageing in the same way, that it's a combination of biological and social factors and that there are complex ways those those play out with each other mm. and learning some more sophisticated and subtle tools for distinguishing those things and thinking them through um, would be really useful. Mm. Yeah, I thought I'd just shout out to anyone that's tuned in and you're listening to Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your AM dial podcast or digital radio or streaming at 3cr.org.au. And I'm Iris and I'm joining the studio here with Shane from Housing for the Aged Action Group. And we've been talking about mainly... Ageism and queer circles and class and capitalism, a number of different things. So, I mean, maybe it's good to to sort of bring it back to more of a queer focus. Mm. I mean, talking pretty generally. Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons why it's important for queer people in particular to think about aging is that one of the main. As people get older, they require certain forms of care, certain forms of social labour, um, 
which to some extent are provided by the state, but which the state lar- state and capital largely expects your family is going to give you those things. People expect to be taken care of yeah. by their children um, and their grandchildren. And historically, and still to a large extent, queer people are less likely to have children. So we, you know, I, I don't expect to have children at this point. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, Are you sure about that? Well, I'm not sure, but it's, it seems pretty unlikely. It doesn't okay. seem to be on the cards. doesn't seem to be on the cards. Um, so thinking... So how how will we age as queer people? Um, mm. There's quite a lot of research about the fact that older lesbians and gay men in particular often retreat into the closet when they start receiving forms of aged care, especially residential aged care. Yeah. Um, and I mentioned to you before that at work the other week i did an outreach visit where i met with two men in their 70s who lived together um and it seemed to me quite clear that they were a couple they they came across as as gay men to me well, i could be wrong but mm. had, had yep. a, a story about how how platonic and you know non-romantic their relationship was uh and it's it was quite sad to to see that because m- my perception was that they had come up with this kind of cover story to, to access services or to, to feel safe and comfortable. So trying to figure out what sort of institutions we can evolve as a community to, to take care of our older people now uh, and to be taken care of as we become older ourselves, um, I think is really important. Some friends in Sydney were trying to organise, uh, what do you call it, a, a housing co-op that would... Um, that would involve like younger and older queer people living together to to kind of you yeah. know develop this kind of model of of intergenerational solidarity, uh, and I think I could be wrong, but I think that ran aground or at least has been really delayed and held up by the incredible bureau- bureaucracy of trying to set up a housing co-op. So mm, yeah. figuring out how we can provide for ourselves and for our elders, I think, is super important and challenging. Mm. In relationship to that, is and. Think- is it like different in other places around? Yeah, you know, it it would be specific differences in other places around the world, and I mean, it's like specific things about the Australian state and and housing in terms of it often being like a high degree of housing ownership that often privatizes people into particular like family units that maybe in different places around the world there might be more more renting which isn't actually necessarily good but like there will be more rights for renters and there's different like configurations of queer circles that are around different ways of living as well yeah i mean that's i'm sure that's true i haven't really traveled that much outside of yeah. australia so i'm not Neither i'm not I. too sure or, or looked into it or researched it but yeah i mean it would be really interesting to learn more about that i guess you know the the first generation of gay lib activists are, are reaching old age or, or in old age now. Yeah. So th- these are really new dynamics for for the community or communities to be thinking about and working out. Um, and yeah, the I mean, historically, one of the things that I think has been really awesome about various kinds of queer communities is our capacity to, to evolve new institutions and new organizational forms and new ways of relating to each other. Um, you know, I, I think... You know, even something like a beat is a really creative and amazing way to to escape heteronormative constraints. But how we're going to, you know, apply that creativity to to the creation of institutions to support us as we age, I think, is still an interesting and yeah, like I say, really challenging question. 
Mm. Yes. And for turning back to some of the stuff we're talking about about earlier in terms of the youth-dominated queer circles and we're talking about events orientated around party, which parties which this like program to start off with is quite a high like highlights that um and with, and some of the things we mentioned about how different uh, the differences from place to place how in Sydney for instance like when I I was there for queer provocations which was a radical sort of queer conference and there's like a SoundCloud thing that has some of the talks on and I recommend anyone interested looking those looking those up because they're quite interesting some of that they are quite often quite analytical and some sort of stuff so I suppose it was like a conference that was quite analysis rather than looking at practical things to combating I suppose a lot of issues raised around housing and class and divides and queer circles that sort of thing in the very expensive city that is Sydney um yeah so thinking about that yeah it seems to me there is a relationship here between these things and what isn't going very well in like Melbourne in particular this yeah I suppose a lot of it comes down to younger people becoming this this insular sort of clickiness in younger like Melbourne queer circles perhaps yeah I don't want to really like calling anyone out Melbourne does seem clicky as hell but I again I think that I mean I think that really a lot of it I keep kind of hammering this point but that there's a lack of analysis and critical understanding of aging as as a form of oppression yeah. and as an issue um you know the the disparaging tone in which people use the phrase baby boomers which essentially just means older people yeah is pretty striking to me there's no critical consciousness around that um most people listening, you know, again, I, I don't want to suggest these things are analogous, analogous or, or that forms of oppression are, are analogous so that you can just map no, them to each other. But not. That often it's useful as a point of comparison. Most people listening to this show uh, could, could pretty easily think of a book they've read about feminism or if not, they know where to find one. They could think of a book they've read about racism and resistance to racism or they would know yeah. how to find one. I think that a lot of people listening to the show probably have never read a book about age as a form of oppression and probably wouldn't really know how to go about looking for one. I think that's, that's probably true. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I, I'd be encouraged if I'm wrong. And there's not a, a mm, literature on yeah. the same scale. The, the you know, the, there's not... And that's because there's less work on this area, there's less consensus, there's less of a critical vocabulary, you know, what's the the right way to talk about an older person what's a more or less offensive term senior older old you know th- there's no real answers to these questions in the, the way that there's pretty obvious answers to the question you know is it better to say women ladies you know things like that the mm. so yeah i i think that and when you're young, you just don't want to think about getting old. I certainly didn't. It wasn't yeah. until I looked around the party and was the oldest person there by 10 years. I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to find some books about this. Yeah. Um, you know, the, so, yeah. I mean, I just think it's, it's useful at, at the most basic level for people to think about it, um, to start trying to, to connect that with the, the other kinds of political analyses that they already have. Mm. So, yeah, at a certain point, you started 
reading that sort of literature and be, you came to incorporate that into your sort of analysis of how you like understood the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to sound like I've read heaps of books about this because that's certainly not the case. I think <laughs> maybe like one, one and a half. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just to, to think about it, to, you know, to try to critically analyze the dis- discussions about older people. You know, when, when people are talking about older people as a group, what are they saying? And generally it's that older people as a group are very privileged, um, that they have all the money, that they had access to all these things, and now they've become quite conservative. Yeah. Um, and certainly there, I mean, it does seem like there's a pretty well-established pattern that older people tend to have more conservative political views. Mm. But there are also really awesome radical left-wing older persons organisations. Um, Housing yeah. for the Aged Action Group, which I work for, is one. Fair Go for Pensioners is an awesome group that does heaps of amazing things. And, you know, the the kind of infrastructure that they can put in place, you know, when Fair Go for Pensioners had a rally a few years ago about, um, I think it was the first budget under Tony Abbott, you know, some of you would remember this just nightmare budget that, that came down. Fair Go for Pensioners had a rally and instead of a protest march, they had a protest tram ride uh, because mm. a lot of the participants couldn't, couldn't yep. really march, couldn't walk that far. And it was really awesome, you know, everyone filled up the tram, they like put up their posters against the wall, the windows facing out so that, you know, it became this protest tram, it was really rad. Um, and yeah, just thinking about some of those issues around who can participate, what physical needs they have, um, obviously in a lot of ways this crosses over with issues around disability access yeah, and disability. things like that. Not not the same, but overlapping. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is another... Um, well, disability is another thing that's often neglected by these youth and yeah. um, able-bodied neurotypical sort of like queer circles or just not really thinking about these things. And I can like count myself in as someone that ne- like needs to do a lot of work around this stuff and we need to like do that collectively to like change how we're going about things and mm-hmm. challenge these like oppressive structures yeah. that... Um, structure society yeah I think I'm going to go to a song in a sec but just a reminder that you're listening to Queen Yet on 3CR Community Radio 855am on AM dial and we're in Radiothon times next 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 Sunday from 3 to 4pm we need to raise $1,050 on this show and 3CR needs to raise some significant large and like two hundred and twenty two hundred and twenty thousand two hundred and twenty thousand so it's a ma- mammoth mammoth amount of money, but like we've done it every year because of your support, so we really need even if you're someone that can't afford um only can afford a few dollars that's something and if you're someone that has has a job and everything and has spare cash well. You should send send us some a lot more. Thanks. <laughs> yes. Um, so next we're going to go to No Allegiance by Simona Castricum. That's right. This is Brother West from the American Empire trying to keep alive the legacy of John Coltrane, Curtis Mayfield, Nina Simone, and I am so glad you are listening to 3CR because 3CR is a force for good. It's telling the truth and allows you both to laugh, not at, but with others. Oh, what a grand radio station it is. One, two, three. 
breakdown, baby. Subscribe to your award-winning independent community radio, bringing you coverage of community issues and events. This is Beard at Base Camp. Welcome to the Little Red Slangy Treehouse. As you said, I'm going to the East West Tunnel ticket, as it usually does, starts at 5.30am. Uh, the Lincoln Melbourne Authority have come here in the middle of the night and set up another drill rig here on Gold Street. The police were pretty keen to defend that with all their resources this morning. And I think for Australians... In order to know ourselves, really fully know ourselves, in order to mature, we need to understand Aboriginal culture. We need to embrace it and realise that in coming here, you're now part of the longest continuing culture in the world. We need your support. Subscribe today. Call 94198377 now. Hello, listeners. You're on 3CR Community Radio. This is Queer Nia, and I'm your host, Iris, and... The previous interview was with Shane from Housing for the Age Action Group, and thanks to the awesome interview. I hope you got something out of that. So I'd like to talk about now a protest that I came across this morning um, in Washington, D.C., and it's by the No Justice, No Pride group. And so it's my understanding a group of protesters disrupted the official Pride Parade in in Washington, D.C. in the U.S. and I think halted it for a few hours. And, yeah. And here's a quote from one of the press releases. We deserve to celebrate Pride without being forced alongside the police who kill us, says Angela Peoples, one one of the participants. Pride should be a haven for the entire LGBTQ community. The Capital Pride Board has shown who it's prioritising. No justice, no pride is for everyone who has previously been excluded and for a different vision of what this event could and should be. Today's direct action comes after many attempts this year and in years past to get Capital's Pride executive leadership to address the contradiction between including corporations that profit from harming LGBTQ LGBTQ communities and the police who jail trans and LGBTQ people of colour being invited to march in what is supposed to be a celebration for the people they target. And here's another quotation. And that was just a quotation. Capital Pride's list of sponsors reads like a who's who of native genocide, FBI, NSA, CIA, Wells Fargo, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, Federal Bureau of Prisons, explains Jen Derenwater, a participant with No Justice, No Pride, and two-spirit member of the Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma. Capital Pride board members claim that the Dakota Access Pipeline and America's neglect and abuse of Native people aren't issues that impact the LGBTQ community, but I am a member of both both the queer and Native communities. Do the lives of LGBTQ Natives not matter? These institutions have wreaked havoc on Indigenous communities through pollution and theft of our sacred lands and the criminalisation of our very beings. Corporations that desecrate Native land, manufacture weapons and support private prisons and law enforcement agencies that disproportionately harass, kill and arrest queer and trans people of colour cannot be considered LGBT allies, inverted commas, unless you believe that Black, Latinx, Muslim and Indigenous queer trans and two-spirit individuals aren't actually part of the LGBTQ community, said Amelia Talorishio, 
a participant with no justice, no pride. So, yeah, that's quite a special little direct action there in DC, in Washington, DC, that I think happened in the last few days. And I was just reading from a press release on Medium entitled Breaking Activists Shut Down Capital Pride Parade. Yeah, and I suppose there's lots of similarities to be drawn from Pride Parades in Australia and Melbourne. We have the same issues and we've seen like the same sort of disruptions in recent years. And yeah, they're kind of completely opposite to the history of Pride. If we if we remember that Pride was led by trans women of colour um, and rioting against cops and racism and all oppress- and oppressive structures of society and looking for liberation. But now we have Pride that seems to just be about assimilation and, yeah, assimilation, genocide, all these, like, oppressive corporations and things of fundraising pride and how 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 that like completely doesn't look at the history of pride yeah um so next i think i'm gonna play a song for you and a small language warning i think i'm gonna play beyonce with drunken love hopefully in fact um, actually, I don't think I'll do that. How about Borders, MIA? Hello, listeners. One sec. So you're tuning into Queenie Out on 3CR Community Radio. And I'd like to plug again that you need to donate to us to keep us on air because... It's that Radiothon time of the year again, and we need your support. Anything would be great. And if you mention Queen Year, that would go towards getting our target, which is quite large, and I hope we can get it with your support. This isn't our Radiothon week, but next Sunday, it will be just all Radiothon plugging. Next Sunday from 3, 3 to 4 p.m., we're going to... Hopefully have lots of donations to listen, I mean, to read out on air, I guess, and and um, get some way towards our target. Another thing to put in your calendars is that we're going to have a fundraiser event on July 7th. Um, we get to make like a Facebook event or like official event description, but it's going to happen. It's going to be a good night. So some a special announcement, I guess. And I suppose leave July 7th, that's like in less than a month open and come to a fundraiser for Queen Year then. Um, so more on Radiothon. So like the ways you can donate is to go to 3cr.org.au um, or call 3cr at 94198377. And you can send a check or money order to 3CR PO Box 1277 Collingwood. And or you can drop into 3, 3CR when it's open for 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, 21 Smith Street, Collingwood. Yes. Um, 
So I'm going to play another track for you now. Waterfalls by TLC. Hey listeners, you've been listening to Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio, 855am at your AM dial podcast on streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So we've come to the end of our show today. I hope you had a good time listening and you can tune in next week from 3 to 4pm for our Radiothon show and hopefully we'll have lots of donations. Yay! So thanks for listening, everyone. And I'm going to go out with Talking About a Revolution by Tracy Chapman. See ya. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.